Hi, everyone. My name is Jonathan Fries, and you are listening to What the Flack, where we talk about topics that have caused so much damage, people don't come to church anymore. I'm the senior pastor of Music of Life Church, Appleton, and I'm joined by the senior pastor of Music of Life Church, Kimberly. Pastor Joel Swakowski, what is happening? Howdy. Oh, man, I'm really excited for this topic. It's one that I've been chomping at the bit to cover. You know that this is one of these topics. I'm like, man, when are we going to be able to cover this? When are we going to do this? And today we are, Pastor Joel. Today's yes. topic is apologies versus confession. Yes. Would you give us some background on this topic, sir? I'd be happy to. So let me start by just asking you a question. Sure. What do you do when you're wrong? Or here's here's this. How about this one? Mm-hmm. What do your parents or did your parents say to you when you did something wrong to your brother or sister? You, well, you shake hands or hug and say you're sorry. Say you're sorry, right? Yep. Well, okay, that's all great and good. And I'm not trying to like teach parents how to parent their kids or anything, but that is representative of what we do in our culture in response to doing something wrong, say you're sorry, apologize, right? Right. Well, the thing is, I've often heard pastors and other ministry leaders responding to a wrongdoing as saying, we need to apologize and ask for forgiveness. Mm. Or even asking, did you say you're sorry? So that's really the history of the background here is we do have, we, you know, they, we call the topic apologies versus confession. Mm. So right there kind of tells you there is a difference between the two. And uh, the history of an apology is basically just a person saying they're sorry. Well, how have people been hurt by this in the church? Because it seems like saying you're sorry would be a good thing. Yeah, and and maybe it is. But it's not confession. Ah. So the church, the conflict, the issue is that the church has replaced confession and repentance with an apology. Ah. The church has replaced confession and repentance with apologize and ask for forgiveness. And here's a little deep dive into why it's an issue. Who is an apology really for? So, for instance, if I do something wrong and I apologize, who benefits there? You or me? Well, let me just explain this. The word apology actually means to justify or to give a defense, which actually that's even where we get the concept of apologetics it's defending your faith these apologetics books are used to help people defend their faith an apology is benefiting the person apologizing okay not the person they wronged it's just me justifying or defending myself in response to a wrongdoing and and furthermore it gets even worse when the apology the majority of the time manifests itself by a person just saying, sorry, that's Mm -hmm. an apology, right? I'm sorry. Mm -hmm. What does that mean? 
If I wrong you, Pastor Jonathan, and I say sorry, that's just like me saying I feel bad for what I did to you. Right. Who benefits? Hmm. I do. Nice. The apologizer benefits. So that's the conflict here is confession and repentance is supposed to benefit the person being confessed to, being repented to. An apology warps that. It makes it about the person who did the wrong. And it really becomes this just let's sweep it under the rug and move past it thing. Wow. So how do they support this position in the Bible? They can't. This is one of the things I don't think a lot of people recognize. Hmm. Apologies are not in the Bible. Hmm. Apologies are man-made tradition. So what we see here then is this strict side is really when someone does something wrong, if they confess, usually it's either in the form of an apology or if the confession is stated the right way, as in a person actually stating I was wrong, that confession is directed towards God. Like I talked to God about the wrongdoings I've done. I talked to God about my sin. And really any confession that's actually stated is stated to God, to Jesus. And even if I wrong another person, that confession's directed to God. So if someone was coming up to me saying, you know, I, I apologize or I'm sorry for doing this, how would I be able to defend myself against that person saying they're sorry? What would it, what, how would I respond to someone or how could I respond to someone who's telling me that they feel sorry for what they did? I guess I would start by saying, thanks for sharing. Hmm. If I wanted to help them understand the difference between an apology and a confession, one of the places I could start is asking them, where is an apology in the Bible? Where is that response to doing something wrong in scripture? Hmm. What isn't? And I'd hope at this point on the strict side, if I was able to explain a little further to this person I was interacting with, one of the things I'd like to do is share about a little, there's an excerpt from the book called Life Together, written by Dietrich Bonhoeffer, who's uh, a martyr and a modern a modern day Christian hero. You know, a lot of people know him, his book Life Together. He's done a book called The Cost of Discipleship. He's a pretty well-known guy. Mm-hmm. He wrote in his book Life Together, in confession, a man breaks through to certainty. Why is it that it is often easier for us to confess our sins to God than to a brother? God is holy and sinless. He is a just judge of evil and the enemy of all disobedience. But a brother is sinful as we are. The brother knows from his experience the dark night of secret sin. Why should we not find it easier to go to a brother than to a holy God. But if we do, we must ask ourselves whether we have not often been deceiving ourselves with our confession of sin to God, whether we have not rather been confessing our sins to ourselves and also granting ourselves absolution. 
in summary, Bonhoeffer stating here, when you sin against a brother and you confess that sin to God, isn't that you really just confessing to yourself and trying to grant yourself absolution? Hmm. We should be going to the person we sinned against. If we sinned against God, yes, we should go to God with that sin. If we sinned against a brother, we should go to a brother with that sin. And Dietrich Bonhoeffer here is saying it ought to be easier. It should be easier for us to go to people who are sinful that we've, that we've wronged than going to God who is holy and just. And hey, sh shout out to Dietrich Bonhoeffer for having some pretty epic understanding about who God is. Oh, no kidding, right? He really yeah. did. He he really did notice in God is holy, but this is a, this is great too. And I wonder if it, it it also exposes who do I fear more? Am yeah. I fearing God more than man or man more than God? Great point. So the strict side believes that um, apologies, when you do something wrong, you're supposed to apologize. Say you're sorry and move on. And actually the strict side believes that if you wrong someone else, you can say you're sorry to God. Yep. All right. Okay, so let's go to the loose side. But actually, before we go to the loose side, why don't we take a call from, hey, look at that, McMillan, Alabama. Nice. It's Pastor Richard Tater. Go ahead, Pastor Dick, you're on the line. Oh, uh, yes. Hello, Pastor Joel and Pastor Jonathan. It's good to be talking to y'all again. I know that passage from Bonhoeffer. Uh, worse, I've been taught that you have to forgive me for my wrongdoing you. Otherwise, you aren't a Christian. However, I have learned from both of y'all that that is flipping causality, which is from the devil. Now, I want to take some time here, y'all, and confess to both y'all that I was wrong to call you heretics. Uh, honestly, I did it because I felt like being wrong, man. I wasn't a Christian, uh, and I wasn't righteous, and therefore I was not saved. But I don't want to treat you like this anymore. I was wondering, you know, I heard y'all talking about that restoration program. And I was wondering if I could take that program y'all spoke about. Are you serious, Pastor Tater? Absolutely. Okay, so how about you and me talk after the show, and I will send you lesson one. Well, th thank you, Pastor Joel. I, I do appreciate it. Now, gentlemen, I'm going to hang up and listen to the rest of the show, but I want to let you know this was my favorite podcast. You hate. God bless. Well, that was great to hear from you again, Pastor Tater. Thank you so much for the call. Pastor Joel, what do you, what do you think about that call? That's pretty exciting. Yeah, I'm, I'm impressed. He's definitely right. The, you know, this, this idea of, you know, Christians often being taught that if I wrong you, 
it's your responsibility to forgive me. Like that's, that's how we deal with the wrongdoing. It's Mm. not really, I confess and repent. It's, you know what? It's just your job to forgive me. Wow. And you know, we're going to, we're going to get into this a lot deeper in future episodes, but for now, you know, just elaborating, I, I feel like because of the quality of pastor Tater's pastor Tater's phone call, I just want to uh, take advantage of this opportunity. You know, Jesus said, when a Christian wrongs you, you're supposed to confront them. Mm. If it's a brother who trespasses against you. You go to that brother. Jesus said, when a non-Christian wrongs you, you don't confront them. You immediately forgive them. Mm. So are Christians doing Jesus's teachings or are they treating the world like Christians and Christians like the world? Meaning are we treating the world like it's our job to confront the people in the world? And are we treating Christians like we should treat the world? We immediately forgive. When really Jesus teaches, confront a brother, forgive an unbeliever. That is a humongous point. Wow, thank you for that. So let's go to the other side of the argument. We've covered the strict side. Let's talk about the loose side, Pastor Joel. All right, so here here we actually kind of see some of the, the mentality behind this thing Pastor Tater said, where we put the responsibility of forgiveness on the person who was wronged, regardless if there's a confession or repentance or not. Why? Well, because Jesus covers our sins, past, present, and future. Mm. So I don't need to do anything when I do something wrong because he makes me righteous. I am covered by the blood of the lamb. I am holy because he makes me holy. Well, that sounds awesome. It sure does in one step, right? Yeah. Well, but how have people been hurt by that perspective? Yeah, people are being hurt every day. Hmm. And Christians are using Jesus's sacrificial death on the cross as a justification for not having to make up for doing wrong things. What's worse, though, is then holding the sins of others against them. So if I use Jesus's death as a justification for not having to make up for the wrong things I do. I can never get upset at other people for doing things wrong to me. Uh. Or it will lead to depression. Mm. Why? Depression is an effect of a contradiction. So when, so so, I, I do something wrong and I go, you know what? I'm covered in the blood of the lamb. Yeah. Je- you know, Jesus wiped those sins away. Right. So when anyone does something wrong to me, I should immediately say, you're covered in the blood of the lamb. Don't confront them, immediately forgive and never get upset at somebody for wrong, doing anything wrong to you or else you're holding them to a higher standard than you're holding yourself to, which is a contradiction. Wow. So someone approaches me with that perspective. How do I defend myself against someone who says that 
that says this seemingly really awesome thing that they're covered in Jesus's blood and they're good to go. Right. Cause that is amazing. Right. And you know what? Me and pastor Jonathan are not, are not arguing that we aren't covered by the blood of the lamb. We are, but there's a specific meaning behind that. And that doesn't alleviate me from taking care of the wrongdoings that I commit even after I receive Christ as my Lord and Savior. Right, because why am I saying that I'm covered in the blood of the Lamb? Because I feel guilty for something. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So if I'm going to talk to somebody with this perspective, if, if somebody just comes to me and is like, you know what? Yeah, I know I wronged you, Joel, but I'm covered in the blood, so I'm righteous. That's for you to deal with. It's your job to just forgive me. I could simply ask this. So you're okay if I wrong you and I don't say or do anything in response to it. Mm. I'd love to hear the person's answer, but even if they don't answer, that question is going to help expose the contradiction that person's living according to. I could even ask a couple simple questions like, all right, PJ, do you ever say that you're sorry after doing something wrong? Mm -hmm. Definitely. Do you ever say you're wrong after doing something wrong? Yep. So why, if, if Jesus's blood covering you eliminates your need to do anything, why would you ever say you're sorry? Wouldn't that saying you're sorry be an expression that you really don't believe that Jesus's blood is covering you? Ooh. Like you have to do something more. Like you have to earn that covering. That would be the implication there. Wow. So if you really believe Jesus's blood covers you to the point where you don't have to do anything in response to doing something wrong, don't ever say you're sorry for anything. Wow. Or else you're questioning your, your faith or else it's a crisis of your, of what you believe. Right. Wow. Okay. So there's our, there's our two perspectives. We have, we have the strict side, we have the loose side. So when this conversation gets presented, apologies versus confession in the church, Pastor Joel, what are your thoughts? What do you see going on here? Well, this is, I think, why I was so eager to talk about this topic and to get to this episode, because this is fundamental Christianity. I'll lay fundamental Christianity out for you. Hmm. If any book you ever read is titled or subtitled anything to do with this is fundamental or foundational Christianity, it ought to have at least these two things in it. Hmm. One, take direction from God. Fundamental Christianity, take direction from God. Two, confess and repent when you don't. That sums up the foundational aspects of Christianity. Take direction from God, confess and repent when you don't. So how does that relate to this apologies versus confession? Well, this is part of fundamental Christianity. Hmm. We are so far away from God's doctrine in this area that we have warped the most fundamental behaviors of what it means to be a Christian. And the world sees our hypocrisy, which makes our evangelism powerless. And, you know, I see, we see these categories. You ask me, what am I thinking? What am I feeling in the church as it relates to this topic? Categorically, I see three different types of people. 
There's the people I feel sorry for. These are people who don't even apologize when they do something wrong. Mm. But they do believe that God has unilaterally made them righteous. Meaning God, you know, sticks his finger out and lightning bolt zap, you're holy. Mm. This person that I feel sorry for believes they have no sin. Christ took it away. And these people are avoiding tension that Jesus told us to step into. That tension of, oh, crap, I did something wrong. Now I need to deal with it. That is tense. Right, that's difficult. And and there's nothing in Jesus' sacrificial death on the cross that removes that tension altogether. So what we see a lot of times with this first category of people that we feel sorry for, they are really just trying to avoid the tension of what it means to be really an adult, what it means to be mature, what it means to to you know be a christian really mm-hmm. there's wow. some discipline that's involved in that and it's and it and it can be uncomfortable it often is and there's the people we understand we understand why they do what they do these are people who do apologize when they're wrong because they know they need to respond well after they've done something wrong but these people have never been taught the right way So these are people who are trying to do what's right, Mm. but they haven't been taught what's right. So they do the best with what they got. What we would see is these would be the people who tend to be the, the, the leaders, the pastors who are saying, you know what, when you do something wrong, make sure you apologize and ask for forgiveness. I don't think those people are intentionally doing the scriptures, the word of God different on purpose right they're doing the best with what they've been taught or what they understand so we get it we get people who do that the people we're impressed with would be people who understand that an apology is not enough Hmm. these people admit when they're wrong and i'll even say this because again i said earlier in the episode an apology is not wrong it's just not a confession So these people we look up to, they might even apologize. And I think it could be healthy at times. Like me saying to you after I do something wrong, I do feel bad. I am sorry. Right. But these people we look up to, if they apologize, it's still always going to be combined with a confession. It's always going to be combined with, you know what? I'm sorry for what I did. It was wrong of me. So the apology is great, but it's not a confession. These nice. people we look up to are a bare minimum going to say I was wrong. Nice. So now we come to the ultimate answer. It's not about saying you're sorry. It's you're saying that it is beneficial to feel bad. Right. So what is our ultimate answer? The ultimate answer as it relates to an apology is an apology is a man-made tradition that's in the place of God's ideal for confession. So that answers the apology half of this. Mm. The ultimate answer as it relates to the biblical standard of confession is when I'm wrong, I admit it. And this means saying I am wrong. Mm. not my bad 
not that wasn't right of me. It is stating I am or I was wrong. Nice. And ideally, they ought to do what our Bible scholar, Pastor Tater, did. Hmm. They ought to admit what they did was wrong, say why they did it, and say they don't want to do it again. And notice the don't want to do it again part is really kind of like an apology. It is. Wow. That's like saying, I'm sorry. Wow. And, what, and, that, and that, when it's paired with the confession, does benefit the person hearing it because that person hearing it re- realizes, okay, I know what they did was wrong. I know why they did it. And I also know that's not something they want to do, at least not anymore. Mm. And that can put the person who was wronged at ease when they're interacting with this person. But ultimately here, we see the church sees apologies as confessing and repenting. And it's neither. An apology isn't confessing. And asking for forgiveness is not repentance. Hmm. One more point, too, is a confession is the right way to handle when I'm wrong. However, even this is only the first step. A confession doesn't make up for the wrongdoing. A confession stops the wrongdoing. At the point where I say I was wrong or I am wrong, the wrongdoing's not happening anymore. If it is, then then there's a, a bigger issue at play. But a confession doesn't make up for it, but it does stop the progress of the wrongdoing. But the benefit is only short term. So if a confession is the first step in the right way to respond to being wrong, that must mean there's more. Thank you, Pastor Joel. I'm excited for more. This has been What the Flock. Thanks for listening, everyone. And remember, if you've been hurt by church, you're not alone. We're here for you.